Welcome to Tech Fets, the podcast, a show dedicated to exploring the world of tech and cybersecurity through the eyes of industry leaders and X Forces personnel. We'll delve into the top issues that are shaping global tech debate and we'll hear real life stories from the people who are driving forward with careers in a global cybersecurity market that's projected to reach £210 billion by 2026. In this show, we are discussing gender equality in cyber and tech jobs, capture the flag, the future of the UK tech industry, and why X-Forces people can play a significant role in this growing sector. Joining us today is TechVet CEO and former soldier James Murphy, alongside Rihanna King, also a Forces veteran and currently a leading cyber threat intelligence analyst for CGI. James, can you tell me what is, uh, what is TechVets and, uh, and what does it do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so TechVets is a non-profit. Um, we exist as a bridge for veterans and service leavers uh, into cybersecurity and technology careers. Uh, we offer a number of services, all of which are 100% free of charge for all of our members. Um, and this has been possible because we've managed to build some fantastic partnerships along the way. Um, but also there's a great deal of passion and drive and purpose behind TechVets, um, supporting uh, veterans and, and in doing so supporting the UK's tech economy by placing some great skilled people um, into into the right right jobs uh, and you know we've been helped by the Royal Foundation, uh, Arc Data Centres uh, and Tech UK along the way uh, to build what we have built so far. Um, of the services we provide uh, the key ones I suppose are first and foremost our unique selling point it's our it's our community our online community is on discord uh, and, you know, that has veterans, serving members, which includes reservists, service leavers and those that are currently still serving in a, a long time before they leave. Um, but also many of our veterans are experienced in cyber or technology careers, which is great because uh, they give back, you know, and that community, that experience that we have within it uh, really helps people make the right choices, get the right advice at the right times and debunk all of those myths, um, etc. So really good knowledge sharing. Um, and we have 12 active local chapters across the UK. And then to top that off, once people know what they're doing, they can access the leading cybersecurity training that we have, um, both uh, you know, internally that we've produced, but also through partnerships. Veterans Digital Cyber Academy, provided by Immersive Labs. We have our Fortinet Network Security Academy through, through our partnership with Fortinet and Splunk training through, through our Splunk partnership. Additionally, we have you know, TriHackMe, we have a load of other industry partners, um, some of which are ad hoc, that provide us a lot of access, free content uh, and support because they appreciate the skills that veterans bring um, and they understand the benefit that businesses will take from them. And then the final piece of the puzzle will be uh, the, the, how we help them get jobs. And you know, we have a ready-made network for them. Um, and additionally, we provide them CV support uh, and you know, interview support channels. And we have access to our Crest CV member um, CV service, which enables our CVs to go out to the hundreds of Crest member companies across the UK, um, uh, you know, all of which, like I said, is free. So it's a great pathway for people to get involved in. How many people have you, have you found jobs for? Uh, so um, during COVID was a particularly difficult time, actually. And I've been, I've been in the role for, for a year now, just uh, it'll be a year um, towards the end of this month. Um, but even with the pressures of COVID, we were supporting on average six people a month into, into jobs, uh, which was pretty incredible. Um, and we're still going, you know, we've had uh, three placed already this month. Um, and some of those are direct uh, through, our, through our engagement with, um, with hiring managers who come direct to me to post their jobs on our jobs board. Some have just received all the support they needed from us 
um, in order to get their foot in the door. Rihanna, how did you come across TechFets? How did you first find it? It was actually recommended to me from someone else who just left the services and they found it um, really useful and supportive network um, to be a part of. And yeah, it really is. I think, uh, as James mentioned, all of the resources we've got available to us that could cost a fortune if you were trying to fund them yourself. And and the network is invaluable, just being able to um, put a message in the chat and just ask if anyone else has experienced something or if anyone else has tried using a certain tool before. Um, it's uh, an invaluable network. Now, you're currently a cyber threat intelligence analyst, aren't you, for CGI? I know you're going to move on to a new job in a, a, in a moment or two. Uh, can you just tell me what your, your job uh, entails? Yeah, so cyber threat intelligence is relatively new to the cybersecurity field. Um, and generally, we just want to understand any threats to our organization's um, technology environment and um, understand threat actors' um, motives, capabilities, um, TTPs, which can then inform our stakeholders' decision-making and help us prevent future attacks rather than just being reactive and responding to any attacks we see. If we can advise our, our SOC that we need to put in certain defences ahead of time, we can actually help prevent attacks, um, which is obviously quite handy. Um, it's kind of similar to mili military intelligence in a way. It's just that the, um, the adversaries that you're tracking and, and the weapons they're using are slightly different. Um, so generally, there's, there's kind of two areas of um, CTI. You can either work for a managed security services provider, um, which will cover multiple clients, each um, perhaps working in different sectors and with different technologies they're working with. Or you could be part of an internal CTI team um, where you're literally just focused on your organization so you, knew, you know your tech stack in and out. Um, you're only focusing on threat actors targeting a specific sector because that's all you're concerned with. Um, I currently work at uh, an MSSP CTI team and my day today is generally coming in and evaluating the, the general threat landscape using some OSINT um, feeds I have. Then I'll work on our threat intelligence platform, which we have our clients onboarded onto, and we triage and investigate any alerts that have triggered for that. Um, we then perform any research that might be relevant um, for that client, say there's an emerging threat um, from a specific threat actor or say there's a new vulnerability that might affect something in their technology stack. So we investigate that further and then seek to either collect some indicators of compromise that we can pass for IOC hunting to our SOC or um, we might support incident response teams, say they, they've got a laptop and they've found all these different file hashes on there. We might investigate those and let them know whether they've been associated with any recent threat actor campaigns. Um, you can use a variety of, of kind of skills for this. It could be open source intelligence, um, navigating the deep and dark web, even social engineering um, sometimes. So it's a really interesting field because attackers are, are constantly evolving and, and their TTPs are always changing. So um, kind of like with the military, you just want to constantly outmaneuver your enemy. Um, so it's, it's never going to um, go quiet, I don't think. Can you just tell me what you do with TechVets as well? Just kind of paint that picture for me. Yep, so in, in TechFits, I'm vice captain of the TechFits CTF team, uh, Capture the Flag team. Um, we hold um, or we participate in competitions throughout the year. Um, it's kind of a, a team you can dip in and out of um, that we currently have 24 members, but there's generally only um, between five and 10 participate in each, um, each event. Um, in addition, it's just keeping an eye on, on the chat and seeing if anyone needs any support with anything really. 
James, have you got lots of Rihanna's uh, or, or just one who, who does this uh, role for you? Uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, there, there is just uh, one Rihanna. And uh, you know, when, when Rihanna came on board as a volunteer, um, not too long ago, actually, it was, it was a great time for us to, to revamp the Capture the Flag team. And they've gone from strength to strength. And I think what they're really doing, which has been fantastic, is really drilling into that sort of military ethos that you get generally in the military where there's a fierce you know will to to succeed and people love competition and the teamwork aspect where you're helping each other out and they're bringing in new members um, as well some really really junior who are able to then learn from others who are a bit more experienced so all, all together really fantastic now I mean I do I have more volunteers yes absolutely I, I rely on volunteers I'm the only um, salary member full-time member of uh, tech vets um, and you know, I have I have nearly twenty uh, volunteers at the moment, all fantastic individuals, um, really really gifted at what they do, specialising in various disciplines across cybersecurity uh, or te or wider technology, which is fantastic. And their job is to mentor people who are in the services, thinking of leaving the services and perhaps getting a job in in tech. Is that right? Uh, yes, um, but. We can rely quite heavily on the community in general for that. There's a lot of people who aren't volunteers who who will give their time uh, to help other people out. They'll they'll dip in and out of various channels on our online forum and provide advice and guidance where needed. Um, but our volunteers provide a number of different sort of key um, support mechanisms. One is CV reviewing. Um, we have you know two teams. One is the capture the flag team. The other is the hack the box team. You know, the former was was 13th in the year uh, uh, in, in the in the UK towards the end of last year. You know, Hack the Box team was 52nd in the world during lockdown one. Um, I also have some support at the leadership side of uh, things with advisory and guidance um, and, and training as well. We have community instructors, uh, you know, the head of internal training, Jordan, has really pulled a great team of people in. Um, you know, even, you know, we've got the likes of, of Shaw, who's heads up threat hunting in, um, in Microsoft, uh, Cheltenham. fantastic people that we have uh, who are willing to give their time. And, and this is really helping us to drive the operational side of TechVets forward. Rihanna, can you tell me about a Capture the Flag event? I mean, it's, it's, it's captured my imagination. It sort of sounds like that 1980s film War Games, you know, it's, it's got, got everything going for it. Just de describe what it's like. I mean, is it, is it fun or is it stressful or a bit of both? It's a bit of both, really. It's a really fun and interesting way just to really build up your cybersecurity skills even in um, like areas that you're not working in, but just to give you that good underpinning knowledge and, and to build on it. And you don't really, I mean, you can take all the certificates um, and courses under the sun, but unless you actually put it into practice, you don't develop your skills any further. And this is a great safe environment for you to kind of mess around with and, and play with all these different techniques that you could use. Um, there's a couple of different types of CTF. So you can have attack defend, which is where you've got two teams. Um, you're both trying to defend your network while simultaneously hacking the other network. And you've got Jeopardy style um, CTFs, which is more what we do in, in tech vets. And that's when you have a, a series of challenges, um, a set amount of time, and you will be, um, those challenges will cover a range of topics. It could be digital forensics, um, cryptography, reverse engineering. So it's really varied. and. The great thing, like James said about our team, is you can come in with little to no skills, and we'll just work to help each other out. We've got some, we've got a real reverse engineering guru in our team, and we do knowledge shares quite frequently between the um, between the actual events. We'll we'll come together and we'll just do a knowledge share during the week and see 
if someone can teach us something about something that they know a bit more about. Um, so it's a really collaborative team. Additionally, Charlie, what, what I would add is, is there are also some um, really quite important CTFs, you know, Trace Labs put on uh, an, an open source intelligence cap, uh, capture the flag competition in essence. Um, and, and the whole idea of it is, is, is a real time um, exercise for finding real missing, missing persons. Um, generally, I think they are um, based in the US, but they do these all over the place. Um, and you know, we had a team that entered, you know, with that real benefit uh, of of doing something for the for the good and benefit of other people, uh, to gen, you know, genuinely save lives and, and find these missing people. So sometimes it has a real time edge to it as well. So is, when it's a game, though, I mean, is it is it like the Hollywood version? Do, do you do you have that moment of ta-da, where you you know you shoo away the terrorist threat, or or, or is it a bit more kind of in depth and and clever than that? Um, some of the challenges do get quite frustrating. Um, you can spend about three hours on one challenge and, and maybe never get there. And you read the write-up the next day and you're like, ah, I was so close. Um, so it can be really frustrating. But the, when you do manage to finally get those challenges, it makes it all the more rewarding. And um, we all celebrate together on, on our Discord as well. So, yeah. Rihanna, I want to talk to you about about being a woman in this industry because um, because you're, there aren't that many of you compared to men. But first of all, James, can you can you just describe to me how big this industry is and uh, you know what, what are the opportunities for for people um, uh, in it? Uh, crikey, I mean it's it's massive. I mean global cybersecurity market is expected to reach you know, two hundred eight billion pounds um, sterling by twenty twenty seven, which is an incredible figure. Uh, the increasing volume of cyber attacks, you know, as, as Rihanna mentioned, this is a growing thing and um, threat actors are evolving on, on an hourly by hourly basis. Um, there's a growing need amongst organisations to minimise their security risks as well. And this is really driving the growth. And moreover, we have an increasing demand now for enterprise mobility with you know, remote working, with the near term, the pandemic forcing business to, to have um, to make changes to what they're doing and people working from home using their own home networks rather than the, um, you know, the assured uh, office ones, it's really increasing this threat. So cybersecurity is growing. More and more people using digital assets on a daily basis um, to run their lives as well as businesses means that this isn't going away. Um, additionally, within wider technology, you know, you've got digital transformation, which has emerged as one of the biggest and most prominent strategies for public and private organisations over the past you know, five years. Um, but, you know, now fast forwarded by five years due to due to the pandemic. So again, we've got you know increasing need for people to have more technical skills, but to get into technology and cybersecurity as a specific uh, industry. Um, recent advances in technologies like robotics and AI, you know, increasing um, use of big data, uh, are impacting roles, and they're going to impact the roles that are traditionally trodden pathways for veterans into industries and sectors where uh, more manual labour is going to become automated. Uh, over the next 10 years. Now, what that also does, though, is it creates gaps, you know, and there's huge gaps in, in technology for, and, and veterans can fill that. What, 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 why particularly veterans? I mean, why, why are forces personnel peculiarly suited to this? Uh, well, first and foremost, that, that on the surface, it would seem that these, these gaps, you know, these opportunities in digital and tech require just technical skills, but actually quite the opposite. Um, that you know, Deloitte has done a, a number of um, research uh, exercises to look at the skills of veterans. And one thing that's highlighted all the time is that the skills in demand across businesses are those that veterans have. Leadership, teamwork, social perceptiveness, 
flexibility and adaptability, the ability to work in fast paced and changing environments, definitely key in tech. Um, judgment and decision making under pressure. You know, there is there is a distinct lack of leadership outside uh, outside of the military, especially in cybersecurity. Uh, grit and resilience, you know, and the ability to deal with change uh, and critical and logical reasoning. You know, many, many veterans have just recently served in in one of the most complex and challenging operationally challenging times of, of military British military history. Uh, and all of these skills have been honed, um, you know, as core competencies that the MOD develop within their people. And you add, you add to that the benefits, um, you know, that, that come from working in tech or cyber. Uh, you know, generally veterans like to go into jobs where there's a bit more of a higher meaning, a bit more of a purpose. You know, you're either going to be working in tech where you're creating solutions that change the way people's lives uh, are run for the better, um, or you are protecting vulnerable people who are consistently being targeted by cyber criminals. Um, either way, it's a job with purpose. You know, and there's lots of companies and organisations that understand this. You know, we have... We have more and more that are coming uh, to me on a, on a week by week basis, wanting to um, tap into the to the veteran talent pool. You know, your, your likes of you know Crest are working hard to support diversity and including uh, a lot of veterans in what they do. You know, we work with threat vendors, Recorded Future, Digital Shadows. We've got partnerships with Splunk, Fortinet. You know, there's companies like Six Point Six and Stripe OLT, Pentest people, all of which are employing veterans quite regularly. And Kinetic is one of the big ones. You know, they've got a, a relatively huge military network within their within their organisation. Rihanna, um, women in this industry though are pretty badly represented. I mean, it, the figures I've got uh, in front of me show me that KPMG says only thirty one percent of people in cybersecurity are female, and only fourteen percent of people coming through STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics uh, courses are are women. Did you find did you find it difficult culturally to kind of get in, into the industry? Is this a problem that's being addressed? Um, I can only really speak for myself, not for all womankind. Um, but personally, I, I didn't have any issues getting into the industry. The team I currently work in is over fifty percent women. Um, I know other teams that are the same, and I think um, I mean that's much better than the um, ratio I had when I was still in the military. So um, while them aren't well, there's not. It's not fifty-fifty, um, men, male and female in in the tech sector, and um, women in STEM altogether is lower than than men. There are um, some amazing women in the tech sector, and I think sometimes it would be better and more beneficial to focus on the women in the industry and the amazing work they're doing, um, rather than highlighting statistics and and coming up with figures saying, oh, well, you don't make up 50%, so we need to work on that. Because I think that might put women off a bit. Um, obviously, don't know, because I do work in the sector, so it didn't put me off. Um, but if you're saying to women that they're in the minority, you're always going to be pushing against all the men, they're always going to be surrounded by men, and it's going to be really challenging, that might put some women off. So if we put a positive spin on it and say, look, there's all these women out there um, who have done amazing work and help hold them up as some kind of inspiration. I think that might be a better way to, to get more women interested in it, especially young schoolgirls. I, I, I mean, the fact you're here uh, says that absolutely perfectly, but there must be some sort of barrier to um, going into STEM in the first place. Or do you simply say it, it's just a bad luck or a question of perception or something like that? It, it, there is no barrier. 
Um, I'm not saying there's no barrier. I'm sure women have experienced um, some discrimination along the way, um, but I'm I'm in a fortunate position where I've not um, had to face that. And um, so I, I managed to get into the industry, I, I assume, as well as any um, man would. Um, for some, I think you probably have to speak to some of the women who chose not to join tech and ask them what their reasons were. Um, can't really speak for them. I'm sure there is some discrimination um, out there, but I think a lot of teams, a lot of companies have started to recognise that and are starting to increase the number of women they're recruiting. And it is really important that you have a diverse team because um, it can just bring uh, so many different perspectives to your team. So you're not all sub, um, subject to the same biases. So having a diverse team, male, female, different ethnic backgrounds, different um, just upbringings, I think, can bring a lot to a team and, and help you to counter those biases. You know, there are also an incredible amount of effort um, being put into this. And there are a number of programmes that, that many companies and you know, institutions have started running. I think part of this is an act of patience. Um, it's an, it's allowing for, you know, over the next five to 10 years to start seeing the benefits of, of, of a more diverse approach to recruitment and, and upskilling and training and um, attracting people uh, from diverse backgrounds into, into the industry. Um, whilst, whilst it's not great, um, it, it, it just won't happen overnight. And, you know, you have organisations like uh, Ladies of London Hacking Society, which have made great efforts to, to help encourage more women and they've done fantastic stuff and have now chapters developing across the UK. Uh, Eliza May Austin, who, who's put that together, has, has really done some great work there. But, but it takes time. It really does take time. I suppose what I mean is it's, it's not uh, discrimination of sort of old boys getting together and saying, let's keep the women out. It's more like discrimination of stereotyping and women perhaps feeling that maths is not for them. Um, but as I say, Rihanna, you're, you're, you know, you're living proof that that's not the case. Um, can we move on to your, your new role at Security Alliance, and um, uh, uh, which you're moving to in the next few weeks, I, I gather? Yes, the start of February, I'll be starting there. Uh, and uh, is, is that a step up in, uh, in terms of career? Yeah, definitely. I'll be, you have to say um, yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll be a senior CTO analyst there, um, joining a very exciting and um, growing team. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Have you been able to meet any of them in, in the flesh yet, or has it all been? No, Zoom? unfortunately not. It's all um, video uh, teams meetings, Zoom, everything's been virtual for about a year for me now. So, yeah, I'm not sure when I will ever actually get to see them, but hopefully soon. Are they are they getting? I mean, is the industry getting used to this Zoom lifestyle, or, or do you think they'll they're relishing getting back into an office again? I think um, we're probably one of the the best industries that have managed to adapt the most uh, easily. I think um, we're always using our laptops anyway. We're probably I was already working from home one day a week before um, all the lockdowns started. Um, we're generally quite aware of um, the security implications of working remotely and how to do it properly and how perhaps not to do it. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's really easy, been really easy for the tech sector to adapt. I think the only thing everyone's missing is a bit of a human interaction. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about your your military career um, because you and you and James both have had military careers. So start with you, Rana. Where, where who did you serve with and where did you serve? So I um, served twelve years. I got out last September. I started out as a vehicle mechanic in the Remi. Um, did that for a few years and then transferred to the Intelligence Corps, um, uh, just because I wanted more of a challenge, really. I didn't really enjoy being a vehicle mechanic. It was 
uh, you didn't really fix anything, you just changed parts. Um, so after an op operational tour with that, I decided I wanted something to keep my brain a bit more active. Um, so yeah, transferred to the intelligence corps, um, worked as a linguist and intelligence analyst for the rest of my time, a variety of interesting roles and operational tours and um, yeah, I got some good anecdotes, but yeah, I think the exposure I got to the intelligence community while I was in um, was invaluable really for my work now. And are those colleagues then popping up in your professional life now? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there's uh, a lot of people who've since left or left before me and you just keep bumping into them throughout the industry. Like James said, there's a lot of companies that are doing their best to recruit um, service leavers. And um, so, yeah, you always bump into someone, perhaps not physically at the minute, but um, I'm sure the conferences start up again later in the year. Hopefully we'll keep bumping into each other. Now, James, you were injured in Afghanistan and, and that that led you into military intelligence. Is that right? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, nothing to do with my intelligence. It was purely uh, pu purely uh, by chance. <laughs> um, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, formerly an infantry. Um, I was a section commander on the ground on, on Operation Herrick 6. Um, clearly uh, not quite talented enough and couldn't avoid the uh, the, the, the enemy uh, enemy stuff. So, um, but but you know it was quite an odd time. I think you know I'd always always loved the infantry. I'd been active as a kid and um, always into sports and the outdoors. Um, and I had to have uh, a total change of lifestyle as well as as well as career. Um, initially, you know that whole. Um, yeah, you know, I was upset. I was distraught. I suppose that I, you know, I couldn't play the sports that I wanted to play and couldn't continue my military career. Um, but quite thankfully, I, I had, you know, I had some fantastic mentors. And um, when I started looking at the options, uh, you know, the what next, um, intelligence sprung up, and I, and I, you know, threw my hand in, and um, it worked out incredibly well. I found a sudden passion for really working the grey matter and um, getting into some, you know, as Rihanna said, some real challenging situations where. Um, you know, some complex problems to solve um, and, and some fantastic experiences as well, actually. Now, when you left, could you have done with a, a tech vets to help you out, to help you on your, your next career? I did. Um, uh, I was quite lucky. Uh, so one of my my first ever commanding officer um, back in 2000, 2001, um, ha had his own has his own company now. And uh, one of the one of the tech vets founders, um, you know, I, was, was chucked my way. Uh, through that connection um, and I joined up and I, I joined as a member um, which was enough for me to, to to really focus my networking I'd had a five-year plan before I left um, but I still was a, very much a generalist uh, so once I was a member I was able to focus that into um, and realize that cyber threat intelligence as Rihanna said earlier is it's in, in essence the cyber version of traditional intelligence all the methodologies and the principles behind it are the same um, and funnily enough there's the same same sort of countries that you may be looking at. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of similarity. So I, I, able, I was able to network uh, into, a, into a role as um, government digital services uh, head of cyber threat intelligence, which was fantastic. Uh, but from that point onwards, um, you know, I then realised that technical was not the way for me. I was already quite senior in, in, in role. And um, so I started volunteering uh, and, and found it very rewarding. I've, I found a new lease of life. Uh, in a non-profit and when the role came up for CEO I, I took that um, both hands. Now a lot of people um, I mean we've, we've established in this podcast that there's a natural progression from military intelligence to CTI but people who leave the services often you know miss the old days a little bit 
is there, is there anything in your new life that you you know you you wish you could have have from from your old days in in the forces? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, first and foremost, there are so many ways in which the military career is fantastic. You know, you've got a wonderful community of people around you. I'm very lucky that with tech vets, I have that um, anyway. Um, but the it's a very secure job, you know, and, and there are so many opportunities. And if I were to go back, uh, Christ, I would have used so much more of my time in personal development, in training in my own time and, you know, learning new skills. I, I mean, I would definitely have become a software developer, that's for sure. Uh, you know, uh, I think that's something that I wish I would have done, coding, if only I could code. Um, there's lots of stuff that, that you can get from the military. And I think that it's very safe, um, conceptually, obviously, Phys physically, it can be dangerous. <laughs> Is that your, your, your big tip to anybody who's thinking of leaving and, and thinking of taking up a job in tech? Uh, look, I, I just think, I just think in general, I think anyone, anyone these days should be looking at how they can become more, certainly with digital skills, but they should be looking at how they can become more technically able because nothing is going to change uh, with, the, with the, the, the curve of use of technology. It's going to be everywhere. It's already every, touching every aspect of our lives. Um, even HGV drivers are using cameras rather than wing mirrors. Uh, so I think it, it's certainly an opportune moment now for people to have a look and see where they can upskill themselves. You know, they need to invest time in good mentors as well. That's something that I did, which really really paid dividends learning from others sharing having a sounding board if nothing else um, but definitely take responsibility for your own time and and don't do what i did and use so much of it um just you know needlessly on on useless tasks um you know so much more you can get from, from that time um rihanna what challenges do service leavers face when they change careers in in, in your opinion is, is is it what james says yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, make the most of the time you've got while you've, you've got a year from signing off to, to getting out. So use that time wisely. And I think one of the big challenges for military personnel, um, if there's not an obvious route from your current role to something in Civvy Street, is just knowing when to knowing where to start. Um, and that's why tech vets or, or something similar can be really useful because you can just reach out and just say, guys, what, what are you doing? What What's your day to day? What are you up to? What would you recommend for these skills or or how can I improve my skills um, along the way? And it's really useful community to have just to give you that starting point, to give you a good overview of the industry rather than you get out, you get into a job that you think is perfect for you, or you, you struggle to get into a job that you think is perfect for you. You get there and then you realise it's, it's nothing like you thought it would be and your skills would be better served elsewhere. James, Rihanna, thank you so much for joining me. Some real insights into the future direction of the UK's tech and cybersecurity industry, and it's been fascinating to talk to you about your military careers. I'm sure the advice and thoughts you've shared will inspire other service leavers to consider a career in tech. And I'd also like to take this opportunity to wish you, Rihanna, the best of luck in your new role at Security Alliance. For our viewers and listeners, you can find out more about TechVets and how it supports veterans by visiting techvets.co or searching for TechVets on LinkedIn. If you're a business owner or work for a company in the tech industry and want to find out how to get more veterans into your workplace team, drop James a message via LinkedIn. You'll find all the contacts you need in the description for this post. We'll be back in February 2021 with our next TechVets podcast. Thanks for joining us.